0: underground come on underground. Fight, fight. Underground. underground 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 we are the people who are inside. we be here to lose under underground. Golly, golly, golly. underground underground you listen to it underground you listen to it underground you listen to it
1: underground Welcome back to Underground Scholars on the Tier, Episode 3. This is your host, Daniela Medina. Today we have three Underground Scholars from our statewide coalition joining us. Thank you for being here, and if you could each please give us your name and what USI chapter you are representing.
2: My name is Joshua Solis. I am the Program Coordinator for Underground Scholars at UC Santa Cruz.
3: My name is Jasmine Garcia. I am a statewide leader for Underground Scholars at UC Riverside.
0: And my name is Ryan Flacco-Rising. I'm the Gaucho Underground Scholars Coordinator here at UCSB.
1: I want to talk a little bit about how you first were introduced to Underground Scholars, how you even knew about Underground Scholars.
2: Yeah, most definitely. It started off at community college. Uh, I was out on parole at some point in my first year for I decided to go back to school. And uh, during my first year at community college, there was an individual that was coming out from Berkeley by the name of Alexis. He he was coming and he was sharing a little bit about underground scholars. And at that point, I had no interest in, in, in going to a UC or a CSU or pursuing higher education after community college. And so there was about three different times that he came to see me and he was trying to get me to go to to check out the program and I was just like not interested, right? Um, after persistence on his end, he finally invited me out to a certain event and I was like, you know what? Like, I'll go. I'll go check it out, right? So I went to go check it out and for the first time in my life, I'm actually seeing folks who were formerly incarcerated, all in one room. And and it was interesting for me to see that I was kind of seeing for the first time folks involved with advocacy work, Uh, folks that were in PhD programs, folks that were in their master's programs, folks that had just transferred into UC Berkeley. And uh, I just remember leaving there feeling inspired. And I think that was like my moment where I really began to engage uh, with underground scholars.
1: How about
3: yourself, Jasmine? When I started at UC Riverside, I attended this conference. It's called Inspiring Our Leaders. And there was a presentation by the underground scholars. At that time, I was getting prepared to work on a curriculum to teach at Barry J. Juvenal Hall. And they said, get with underground scholars so they can help you develop the curriculum, right? I didn't know about it. So then I I went to the, the workshop. And then I just pretty much started talking to like Borselli, Yvette, Raul, just started to ask more like when you guys meet, you know, and stuff like that. And then coming to the meetings because I just really needed to be involved in something, but I just, I just couldn't find like the, the right organization. Right. So yeah, that's how I started with the underground scholars here at Riverside.
0: For myself, I had a little different start. I was in New Folsom State Prison. I was about about four months to the pad to being released. And I remember I, I, I was talking to my homeboy, I was a tear tender. So I was out sweeping the tear and cleaning the showers and I would stop by the homies uh, doors and we would chop it up about when I parole, what I'm gonna do and stuff. And um, at that point uh, I, I was considered transient. So I was homeless. And so I didn't know what I was going to do. I just knew that I was going to be living on the streets, you know, because they didn't. My, my counselor came to me, asked me if I had an address. I didn't have one for him. So they just said, all right, you're transient. So I was telling my homie that I was dealing with the gang of anxiety and I didn't know what I was going to do. And, you know, I was probably going to go back out and, and sell drugs to survive and, and just get back to, you know, that lifestyle. And he looked at me and he was like, Flaku. Uh, my homie, Chino, F- Philip, um, he looked at me and he said, Flaco, you've been going to college. Like, why don't you just go to college? And I laughed and I was like, I can't afford fucking college. That's for rich people. And uh, he was like, well, you know what I'm saying? Nah, you. I, I feel like you can go, homie. Like, and uh, he's like, I'm going to do some research for you. And so he did some research and he ended up meeting Danny and, and he ended up telling me, hey, I met these people. They're formerly incarcerated and they're at Berkeley. And they got an organization that helps formerly incarcerated called the Underground Scholars. So you can go to Berkeley is what he's telling me. And I'm like, yeah, right. I ain't going to go to Berkeley. You know what I'm saying? Like, like, there's no way. One day I get a, a note slid through my door and it's like a brown paper bag and I open it up and there's a flip phone in there and it said, press press send. And so I press send the green button and uh, and and turtles on the other line. And I'm like, hey, what's up, turtles Flaco? And he was like, Flaco, oh, 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 Chino told me, yeah, oh, what's up, homie? And then he starts telling me, yeah, I'm at Berkeley and, and this and that. And you can come to Berkeley and we'll help you, you know? And, and, and this and that. I was like, look, homie, I'm three, I'm about three, four months to the pad. Um, I, I'm scared. I don't know what I'm going to do. He's like, he's like, just call me when you get out. And so I wrote down his number and I got out and I was like, hey, I'm, I'm out. I'm looking at the beach. And, and Danny was on the other line. He was like, man, I'm in New York. He was like, I'm, I'm looking at these tall buildings. I've never been to New York. And so we're like both having this moment, right? He's never been to New York. And I've never I haven't seen the beach in over seven years. And uh, so He was like, man, this is, you know, this is cool. And so then he ended up hooking me up with Violeta and Martin from the Berkeley Underground Scholars. And uh, they flew out to San Diego. They were both from San Diego and they flew out there and they met with me at a Starbucks and they bought me my first Starbucks coffee. I got a Frappuccino and mocha for the first time in my life uh, because Starbucks was it was made while I was in prison. So I never got to ever have a Starbucks before. And I'll tell you, they started my, my Starbucks addiction right then and there. And, uh, and so anyways, yeah. So I met with Violeta Martin and they broke down the program and they were like, you know, we're, we're building the prison to university pipeline. And I was like, I mean, what do I, where do I sign up? You know? And they're like, well, we'll help you get into community college and we'll, we'll work with you every step of the way until you apply for the UC and. Uh, they did, and they they stood by that and helped me every step of the way. and so that was like my beginning stages with the underground scholars.
1: Wow, that was amazing. Um, that just gave me little flashbacks when you were talking about Danny being in New York and I feel like that's where I first met Jasmine in New York and that was my first time in New York. Maybe one day we'll have a conversation about our little traveling conferences and you know how much yeah. joy that brings. But yeah, thank you for sharing that for Josh and Flacco. How did you end up at Santa Cruz? How did you end up at UC Santa Barbara?
2: Yeah, for sure. For sure. So I'll say, I'll say off top, I didn't get into my first year when I was applying, like straight up, like I was still like heavy. I'll just say I was standing in hotels and I was doing things that, that I'm no longer doing. Right. Um. Definitely. I was going through my own uh, experience of trying to figure things out, trying to just navigate being on parole, work, going to school for the first time. I've never been to high school, so it was just like this this whole entire experience. Long story short, I didn't get in the first time. But uh, the second year I applied, I remember getting a a scholarship for Santa Cruz. um, And that that was really what kind of like solidified it. it was like there's this support that I know that is locked in, guaranteed. As soon as I get there, I got this amount of money. Uh, coming to me and and for me that was kind of what solidified my decision to come to Santa Cruz um, was that support but just to kind of go into it there was still a lot of questions that I didn't have answers to uh, such as housing right I was in a situation where I thought I had it figured out like I'm getting into this UC but what I didn't know was there was such thing as um, uh, housing being impacted like in, in a city like that you could be denied on the application because of The fact that you just finished parole or you had a record or because you had tattoos, like people in that own these houses could deny you. I didn't know that was a thing. This is my first time um, kind of navigating that. Right.
1: So let me ask you this. Was there like a program or a group there on campus when you got in for formally specifically for formally incarcerated and system impacted students?
2: No, no, there wasn't. No, there wasn't. There wasn't. I think when I got there, that was like, for me, uh, that was a challenge. That was a challenge, not having somebody to kind of relay the message of, look, when you get here, you're definitely going to have to find housing. If you don't apply to on-campus housing, you have to find off-campus housing. I, and just to be real, like there was there was a, a moment my first quarter at UC Santa Cruz uh, where I was homeless. I was sleeping in my car and I was waking up, going to the gym, showering, going to class, going to the library, going back and like every fucking day for like, I was just bitter as fuck that I didn't have that information that I needed to be able to find housing. Eventually, you know, through like uh, going on the internet and and, and searching for housing, I, I found like a little, basically like a little shack, basically uh, that got me through like the last two weeks of my quarter. And then A couple of months later, I found different housing. But yeah, there wasn't that program that was like, "Yo, like we got you," or like, "Yo, like, like make sure you're doing this, make sure you're on top of that." And so that that was the the challenging part.
1: Wow. So you were basically you were out there on your own.
2: I was I was out there grinding to say the least, like very much so. But I think the one thing that for me that that I would say was like going back to Salinas, right, and just like staying in these hotels, and and there's a lot of different things for folks that know the types of things that go on in these hotels, like. You know the different types. So mm. for me, sleeping in the car, it wasn't really the, the extreme. It was just more like, like I, I knew in that moment that I was in the, uh, I, I would say it just to, yeah, I would just to sum it up, I was in a far safer place being in my car than I was being in those hotels.
1: Definitely. Blacko, you end up transferring to Santa Barbara. To use I mean, to, to get Barbara. to
0: Santa Barbara, it was a
1: journey. Okay, Um, yeah.
0: I, I went to San Diego City College, there was nothing for formerly incarcerated students there. And uh, there was there was a bunch of formerly incarcerated students that were going to school there. And so you know, we came together, uh, you know, due to what uh, underground scholars had going on up there. Uh, and we were like, you know, we need to create something here. There's no support. There's no resources. There's no opportunities. I was denied a work studies position due to my background, but yet they want to allow me to be a student at San Diego City College and, and that's fine, right? So why can't I get a work studies position in outreach? And so that kind of was the start where we decided we needed to come together and we needed to uh, advocate for ourselves. And so we were trying to put an underground scholars uh, program at uh, San Diego city college. And uh, w- instead of, uh, of the name, because it was, you know, Berkeley uh, it was at Berkeley and, and they were still building it out there. Um, they said, you could create like a student organization for formerly incarcerated students but the underground scholars name is going to be on hold for right now. Um, and so we created the urban scholars union And it just blew up. And there was no formerly incarcerated student organizations on any of the community college campuses in San Diego. Urban Scholars Union was the first one. And after we created the Urban Scholars Union, it was like riding. Uh, We we, we dubbed it, we called it Hug a Thug Year because all of a sudden they want to hug us and support us and oh my yeah you formerly incarcerated and and because and we were being loud we were protesting we were getting loud and we were announcing hey we're here and we're tired of these traps in the community that are recidivating us back up state to prison we're here to build our own stuff because you guys aren't building nothing for us and so we started getting really loud and all these newspapers showed up started doing all these articles and then I ended up uh, getting to to a point where I had my 60 units. And it's wild because when I analyze it, it was like everyone had their units and was able to transfer now at, at San Diego City College. And now when I look back at San Diego City College, there's really no student-led organization for formerly incarcerated right there. It's just a program, institutionalized program now. And so I got to this point where I got to you know, apply and Berkeley Underground Scholars helped me every step of the way. From the time before I got out until the time that I was applying for Berkeley, they helped me every step of the way. I ended up applying. I went through the application program they helped me with my personal insight questions. They helped me with getting all my transcripts from prison so that I could, you know, put it inside and get it to these to the UC. And uh, I, I, I worked hard on my app and I ended up getting accepted into Berkeley, UCSB, UC Irvine. And I got the Circle of Excellence Scholarship from the University of San Diego. I seen a bigger picture at that moment. I was like, I can go to Berkeley and everything is there for the Berkeley Underground Scholars. They have everything established for formerly incarcerated students, but what about UCSB? There's nothing there for formerly incarcerated students. So I felt in that moment that it was you know they opened up the gates to UCSB and and I felt like it was it was my duty now to go in there after getting all the skills as an ambassador for the Berkeley Underground Scholars Program and all these organizing skills and all these different conferences that I was able to go to to learn how to be a leader and start programs and start student-led organizations Mm -hmm. I felt like it was my duty to go in there to UCSB and so that's what I chose I chose to come to UCSB there was nothing here. In the beginning, I, I didn't know how to navigate any of these portals. And, uh, and I almost quit. I almost quit. I got here and I was going to quit because I owed all this money. And they were talking about kicking me out. And so I was like, I was I was like, you know what, I'm going to go back to the tools that Berkeley Underground Scholars gave me And I'm going to take all those tools, and I went to the college website, and I grabbed the toolkit on how to build formerly incarcerated student-led organization, and I followed it step-by-step. And I opened up a a student org and started to advocate uh, for myself and the other formerly incarcerated students that came in with me for scholarships, for just support. And uh, we ended up getting the Promise Scholars. uh, uh, We were adopted into this program called the Promise Scholars. And so to make a long story short, it was all bad when we first rolled up here. There was nothing. And and I was there was a lot of times where I I laid down at night thinking I was failing my family, failing my children because there was no support here. And I was saying, dang, I should have went to Berkeley. And and some some days were, you know, bad to the point where I was depressed and stressed out because I just didn't feel like I was going to make it here.
1: That's tough. That's tough because I feel like a lot of times maybe as Berkeley students, we kind of tend to take for granted like what we have. And I know for sure, like the, the, the founding members for sure went through all that stuff. Jasmine, when you got connected with USI at Riverside, you already knew folks. They were a little bit established. Can you kind of talk about what was the support like? Did you all have allies on campus? Did you all have support from other people? Did you have outside support? What did that look like and what does that look like today? So when I started, there was no support besides um, the students, right? Like just
3: each other pretty much just keeping each other in the loop, like, checking in with each other every week, giving each other, like, tours, you know, talking about, like, housing, talking about, you know, how to navigate financial aid, admissions, like, everything, right, like, all the services that, that were here, so the, the people that were already here, like, have already been here for, like, a year or two were teaching us, like, the new ones that were coming in about where to go, you know, who to talk to and stuff like that, but there was nothing when when we when we got here besides each other. We did have two advisors, which it was Dylan and Joe Vargas. Right now, actually some of our underground scholars are not working in community organizations outside, right? Like they're graduating UC Riverside and then they're going into positions like Riverside, all of us are none, Cat 911, the justice table starting over. And now they're leaders in those positions. And we didn't have that before. We, we And even those organizations, the community organizations were very small. They had, they were barely starting. Riverside of Cernan was barely new. Justice Table was like not even a thing yet. And Canada one just started like maybe a couple months ago, right? And it was through underground scholars, students that were like keeping that momentum going because we realized that like we need so much support and we didn't have it here. So we started meeting with like different departments, different faculty members that were like saying or doing research on formerly incarcerated students or system impacted students. And we were just like tapping in with them, you know, like, hey, um, how can we partner or collaborate so we can build something here at Riverside?
0: It hasn't been easy to transition into the program side of it now. You know, the bureaucracy, you know, as we start to pioneer this program out, there's a lot of things that come back and there's it's like people are trying to poke holes in us and poke holes in our program and tear it down. And we're here to stay. You know, this program should have been here in every single one of these UCs 20 years ago. And nobody stepped up to do this work. And now that we're stepping up and doing this work and rolling these programs out, like, uh, you know, like uh, they need to support us. Instead, embrace us and uplift us and realize that there's tons of formerly incarcerated students that are gonna be here really soon. And if we don't have a program in place for them on every single one of these UCs that's fully funded, they're going to fail. They're going to come in, they're going to fail, and and, and there's going to be problems that we could have uh, prevented.
1: So let's talk about this money, though, because, I mean, we're talking about funding and, and support. With Azadeh's leadership, we've been able to secure some, some, some funding from private foundations, though, you know? and that money has to be split up, right? It had to be split up with to all the UC statewide. Can you all talk about like what that funding is gonna do for your programs or has done already?
2: Yeah, yeah, so for <laughs> sure. So for Santa Cruz, it's definitely been a matter of being able to build capacity to, to continue the advocacy work that we're doing here, right? For example, since I've been in this position, um, we've been able to build relationships with financial aid. Initially, with financial aid, there was a conversation as to whether or not we could increase a student's budget, right? For things that are not necessarily accounted for, for example, restitution or childcare, right? And um, financial aid was straight up about it, right? And I actually, you know what? I, I'm kind of hesitant to share this because I don't know who's all going to hear this because it's my, my, my yeah. Uh, so we, we can edit the it most up.
1: Pe- We want a lot of people to hear it. So. <laughs> all, right, all
2: right. Yeah. Well, I mean, it, it, it's it, I think it's really a matter of, you know, uh, uh, the support. I think that's I guess my point is the support that we've gotten for financial aid. Initially, they said, you know, we can't we can't support somebody's restitution like straight up. But now if somebody's paying the restitution and now they don't have money for to pay the rent you know, that's that's considered an, an emergency, right? Okay. So what we're going to do is we're going to go ahead and allocate you a, a, a pot of money. So it, it, at that time, it was $5,000. Um, and uh, if your students need um, emergency support, you could allocate that at your discretion. So now uh, the most recent situation that has come up uh, was there was a student that came to me um, and he's telling me about his situation that he took a summer class and that now he owes about like 1,500. And I'm thinking to myself, like, that's a little bit too much. It shouldn't have been that much, right? But come to find out this from last year, right? And that this money has just been the, the late fees and everything's just been accruing throughout the year. For me, that was a matter of not knowing that financial aid did not cover summer classes, right? That was one of the, the, the challenges for him of not having the information uh, to be able to make a decision. Should I take the summer class or should I not? So for me, it was, this is a, an emergency situation because now he has a hold on his account, which means he he couldn't attend this year if that money was not paid. What I did was say, okay, well, let's let's make a game plan. So uh, long story short, we were able to support him with about uh, $1,700 to pay off uh, all the holds Um, that he had on his account he's now registered in all his classes he's now getting housing now get to the housing part because he's also um, in a situation where his housing situation isn't the best right the the other thing that we've been able to do is build relationships with the renaissance scholars program right they have a program in which they have emergency housing they have extended that opportunity to all the underground scholars as well so in collaboration with the renaissance scholars and with the housing we've we've been able to secure emergency housing for folks that do not have it. And so right now, this in the, our, our student's situation is that his, again, his housing situation isn't the best. So now he has an emergency move-in date of September 10th, right? And so these are the types of different things uh, when we think about the, the program uh, coordinator and the position, the, the different types of things that we're doing to support students. Those are a couple to name a few. And then we can get into, um, or I'd like to get into and share a little bit about like the program side of it, right? And so, when you think about the program side of things, I think one one of the things that we're doing is cultivating a safe, in welcoming space for students to come into, right uh, where folks feel that they could identify as formally incarcerated because I think one of the challenges has been uh, not being able to feel comfortable saying I'm formally incarcerated or just being stigmatized uh, because of the label, right? And so what we're doing is we're changing that. we're shifting that culture. We're building relationships with partners all throughout UC Santa Cruz. And so in addition to that, uh, we want to make sure that that, that folks, have all the information that they need, right? I think off top, our biggest priorities is just to make sure that folks uh, know about financial aid, folks know about housing, folks know about how to create a budget, right? Uh, folks know about different different uh, things that are going on on, on campus, right? Because not everyone, and I'll and I'll be one hundred percent honest, not everyone is interested in advocacy. There's some folks that want to go on to be uh, social workers. There's other folks that are in uh, like technology. There's other folks that are that, that want to be doctors, right? Our job, I think, for us, for Santa Cruz, is just to make sure that they have the support and the information to reach those goals.
3: So we just found a home uh, last month, actually. So it's in the making right now and in the transferring process right now. Um, but uh, this funding is gonna you know, create a, a job for formerly incarcerated um, people here in at UC Riverside. So we are going to be creating a program director position, um, which is in the making right now. You know, we're in conversation of what what that's going to look like. And then um, also funding would be used to encourage formerly incarcerated students to attend conferences, present, you know, like do research and, um, you know, whatever, like Josh was saying, like whatever they want to get involved in, you know, some of them don't want to be on, you know, be on the radar, like be advocating and stuff like that. But um, trying to get into like housing, housing was an issue too, like our basic needs office created a hotel voucher because formerly incarcerated students were coming into UC Riverside and they didn't have nowhere to go, right? Like they were coming in on parole from other states and from, you know, different locations and there was no space here. Like, and then, you know, COVID didn't make it any easier it got to a point where we don't even go to like departments we just go to the chancellor and we you know and if the chancellor can't take care we go way up because it's just take, it takes too long and it's like a, it's urgent you know for for us it's it's really like like it has to happen overnight so um and that's also where it started uh, when we started going out to the community and started to build like okay well if the university is not supporting us right now urgently then how can we figure it out outside of the university, right? Like out in Riverside. So that's where we started partnering and um, started getting involved in attending like weekly meetings and building those relationships with local organizations because they were serving the same population, but, you know, it was in the community now. So we're like, okay, we'll temporarily be here to, you know, so it's like, we're, we're just trying to figure it out, like how to get them to continue their education, right? And it's through the support of each other, like again, um, and those networks that we're just trying to like build with one another. I think recently, like we were, we were trying to get a home for almost like six months.
1: What does that mean for folks who don't really, um, who who are who don't know what this means? What does it mean, secu- like to secure a home for for students at a UC? Because I think a lot of times, from what I know, is that people think. Uh, you know, you're a UC Berkeley Underground Scholar, you're a UC Riverside Underground Scholar, that the, you're embedded with the university and that you're a part of the university and that you have a home. So what does that, what does that mean, uh, having a home or trying to even get a home? What does that mean? Finding a department on campus
3: that's willing to house us and help us with processing, you know, transactions, helping us navigate the, the internal of the university, right? Like their system. Like it would, it's um, people that, cause they have access to certain things that we don't. Like nobody nobody besides people that are employed through the university um, have access to these databases, right? And you know they have access to meetings, they have access to calendars, they have access to certain people and that students don't have because they don't wanna talk to students. <laughs> yeah, so we were um finding a home, and the first the the first thing we thought about was student affairs, right? Because there's already programming happening in student affairs. There's like nine programs for different populations on campus. So we're like, okay, well, that's where we need to be, right? But it became, you know the the first thing we we pitched it to the chancellor, we we weren't even getting a meeting with the Chancellor. They were sending us down to you know, the associate dean, not even the dean, but, you know, lower than that, right, and um, that's where we started to know, okay, we're gonna, here's gonna be us navigating this bureaucracy of all these people in these positions, right, and it just, it just became, like, like a a thing that we were just venting to them, like, oh, we'll just go over here, and just talk about what you want, and then, you know, you'll get over it, and then, um that's it right like that's what they want they want to exhaust us our energy on speaking about what we want and not really listening to us so we're like no we're not we we kept pushing and pushing and it became daily like every single day for I think for like a couple months we were just like constantly pushing and we and you know me and my um like Fidel Carlos and um other members we were tagging me like okay well you do it this week I'll do it you know because it was it was just a lot of work. It was a lot of work and we weren't getting through anyone. Like nobody was listening to us. Um, it got to a point where it was like, they didn't believe that this money was actually coming. Like they didn't believe that, you know, we were that um, we were going to get an MOU and all this other stuff. Like they were like, yeah, right. We'll talk about it when, you know, when it comes. And, it, and, it, and then it was here. And then they were like, oh shit. Like, okay, well um, now you have to find transactor you have to find um you have to find space and then you know the argument also became like it's not sustainable funding like it's it's only for one year we need funding for three years in order for for us to create a you know a program so now that became the battle right like okay well sustainability issues but um we after so so long like we just kept um pushing and pushing and pushing, and then um, it became also this, this um, challenge that certain people needed to be in the conversation, right, and now here I am, now here I am trying to get everybody that needed to be in this meeting to talk about it, and, and you know, I don't have access to nobody's calendar, so I'm emailing everybody individually, hey, when are you available, stuff like that, and it just, and, and they just kept pushing it months, months and I'm like okay well here we go here we go again right so um finally we got everybody in the table and um, we talked about it and, and we had one hour to secure that right like we had one hour um, to secure the um, the transactor the space the um, the home the department everything and finally we we did and right now we're in that process right like it's been it's been about the transaction like just trying to get the money transfer now so
2: definitely well congratulations on that
0: congrats yeah that's
2: huge that is that's huge
3: thank you and and you
0: know it's wild because like they want us to do it all when they should have done get it you know what i'm saying like you're being forced into all these meetings You, you know we're students and exactly. we, you know, we should have had this program no matter what for us you know and it's just super unfortunate that they that it's a, you know it's 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 uh, on us it's dependent on us to create it you know and so you know this money uh that's came down has really uh allowed us to create jobs you know i got to apply for the gacho underground scholars uh program coordinator and uh, you know, uh, having all this training from Berkeley Underground Scholars since I've been out of prison, and and you know, it, it it's crazy when I reflect. Like I haven't even been out of prison six years yet. My six year anniversary just came up. You know, August twelfth. You know, so I've i barely been out of prison six years. So it it goes to show you the 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 success of the Underground Scholars and and the success that it that it really gives to formerly incarcerated students. So this money, I got this coordinator position. We got a, a two work studies positions um, for formerly incarcerated uh, students. Um, so that it's centered around formerly incarcerated, uh, you know, getting priority, and uh, you know, uh, you know, and just just by chance, you know, I didn't have to go through all the hoops like what you're going through, Jasmine. You know what I'm saying, like. Just by chance, I I found an assistant vice chancellor who really had experienced a father being incarcerated. And one thing that he said was, you know, my dad was right down the street from the university that I graduated from in prison. So my whole term, my whole time in college my dad was right down the street in prison, you know, and, and so that that really sat with me, you know, um, but as we navigate this now we're trying to adopt the Berkeley underground scholars program, you know, this is a program that's set and proven results. It's yeah. not something that's that's brand new or that we have to develop. No, it has elements mm-hmm. to it with recruitment, retention, and advocacy. So now we're using this funding to create, you know, uh and, and and take on some of the programming that Berkeley has. So one thing that we're looking at is building our regional ambassadors program and working with Cuesta Community College, Allen Hancock Community College. Um, Allen Hancock, Lone Polk Community College, and uh, and SBCC, and also venture off into Ventura, because in in Ventura there's there's uh, there, there there's community colleges, but there's there's no type of uh, formally incarcerated programming going on there. So we want to get our hands over there and build and and locate one or two ambassadors in each, and have a regional ambassadors program and use the TAG, the transfer um, agreement guarantee program that exists in these community colleges to get more formally incarcerated students here. Because it's unfortunate from the, the these foundations, you know, and I, I want to emphasize that foundations, it's, it's really setting us up for success here. Because now we're able to You know, venture off into the community colleges in the area and build programming and let them know hey we're here now at UCSB. So, you know, you don't have to take your associates degree and go to work. You can go get your bachelor's degree now and we'll help you get to this level with the, you know, the application program. We'll help you, you know, while you're at your community college and and, and give you the tools and and the knowledge and the insight on, you know, developing your own student-led organization at your community college. So this is allowing us to really let the students lead because this is student-led. You know, administration did nothing for us and administration's been running programs in the community college and they're not transferring these uh, formerly incarcerated students out. You know, a lot of formerly incarcerated students are dealing with financial aid issues where they're getting stuck in owing money to financial aid and having to quit school. And that's it. They're done. They can't go back to school now because they're in, you know, in debt to financial aid and they can't pay it due to some sort of errors that financial aid makes. Right. So there's just a lot of different things that that uh, break formerly incarcerated students, you know, and then life happens. But now that we have a supportive network of formerly incarcerated students and we're building this coalition and we're all coming together as one. And showing up to these, uh, you know, these campuses and these administrations and telling them like, hey, like we're here and we're here to stay. And, you know, funding's coming down now from the community college that's investing in programming, um, that's coming down from the state or the vice chancellors or wherever that funding's coming from. And, you know, uh, one thing that I would like to see in the future of it all is now that we got formerly incarcerated uh, students going into their graduate programs, getting their master's and getting their PhDs, um, they should be sitting as directors of these programs. It should be ran by formerly incarcerated uh, students and alumni. You know what I'm saying? Uh, it, it, these administrations that are taking this funding now and, and, and rolling these programs out, it, it, they need to have us at the forefront of it. You know, and, uh, and that's one thing that I love about the Underground Scholars is it's us, formerly incarcerated students, formerly incarcerated alumni at the forefront of these programs. That's imperative and critical to having a supportive program that's successful. They need to see that success in front of them, not just somebody who has no direct connection, not system impacted running and directing these programs. It's gotta be a formerly incarcerated individual who went through the whole entire system to be a director telling them, hey, I know what you're going through. I know what you're experiencing. I'm a credible messenger. Let me show you my blueprint to get you to success. And so, yeah, like this funding is allowing us that opportunity now finally and it should have been here years ago but you know it took us us formerly incarcerated and our system impacted you know friends of the program to come together and really advocate and show the need and show the 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 state like hey we're here and we're here to stay. And you guys are opening up new, you know, uh, routes for us to come out of prison and go to college. And so we need funding. Like, you know, we shouldn't be having to hustle our own money. Like you guys should be providing funding on an annual basis to our program. And the UC should be giving us funding and, and not battling with us and putting all this stress and pressure of meeting after meeting after meeting you know what I'm saying like no we should have a program with the formerly incarcerated director at the forefront of that program pushing and advocating and moving us through this system to success that's that's it it's a public university and that's what we deserve straight up so yeah no nah, that's cool Jasmine and we're, we're super proud that you guys we are fighting that good fight over there and we shouldn't even have to be fighting whatsoever you know
1: and thank you all so much for just sharing so much about the work you're doing but I mean just about yourselves in general too just like everything the struggles the good part the bad parts um it's it's just super important you know because like I said I mean for you know like I'll never forget um there was one time, you know, I was trying to get some t shirts for our members, right from from an organization. And they sell them, you know, they sell things at a discounted rate for formerly incarcerated people, right. And so you know, and, and a lot of community orgs do that, like, you know, they do a discount if you're formerly incarcerated. And I try to, you know, like, how much is it for like this many t shirts and the folks, some of the folks there were just like, Oh, no, they're UC Berkeley you know they got a budget it's like we're not UC Berkeley bro like we're just formerly incarcerated students and and so there's still a lot of people even in our movement you know what I mean even even other formerly incarcerated people who are not in education I think a lot of people kind of feel that you know, it, we took kind of the easy route that that's just some of the feedback I've gotten, you know, like we got a good, we're in the UC and it's like, they don't know. A lot of people do not know our stories or like how much we're struggling or, you know, how, how important is. you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. How important it is to have, a space somewhere to go to 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 connect with other people like yourselves and how how difficult it really is to to go on campus and go into these classes and be in there with people that you do not relate to or who who don't understand you and who are probably judging you um And then to not have somewhere to go to. And so you are talking about like a home, a home. And that's exactly what it is. Like when when you get into the space with with your people, with other underground scholars, that's home to us. Mm -hmm. Um, So I really, really appreciate you all coming in here today and just sharing, you know, your struggle, your journey, um, and really sharing, like, the vision that you all have for your campuses. And, and, and there's, a, there's a lot of other statewide leaders, you know. Um, unfortunately, we couldn't, you know, invite everybody. But we really look forward to tapping in with you guys again soon and tapping in with other members. And, um, yeah, I just want to commend you all for all the work that you're doing on your, on your campuses and how, how you guys are really just lifting this up and, and building, you know. Um, it's a movement. And, and yeah, so I just really want to thank you all for your time. Uh, appreciate you all for, for sharing this space with us and for sharing with our listeners and yeah, sending you all love.
2: Thank you. Thank you. Hey, real quick thank before you. we go, I just got to give a quick shout out to uh, uh, Sarah Radoff, Liz Moya, uh, DeSean Keller. Uh, they've been like huge support from day one and just, just helping to make uh, underground scholars happen at UC Santa Cruz. So shout out to them for all the support.
3: And I'd like to give a shout out to our advisors, Dylan Rodriguez, Alisa Beria, Joe Vargas, um, Estela Cunas, Director of the Chicano Student Programs, and Fidel chigoya
0: Definitely, that's what's up. And, and I'll follow up, you know, Holly Roos, Director of Promise Scholars, Assistant Vice Chancellor Michael Miller, Vice Chancellor Margaret Cluen, uh man we've been you know we wouldn't have been here without them and, and without their support and believing in us and and uh and helping guide us through all this bureaucracy and all the different obstacles that we've had to jump through like uh, thank you so much for your support and we're you know excited to have a program here forever and so and i know that with them leading us and guiding us we will we'll have this program here forever
3: that concludes today's episode
0: if you are interested in learning more about the different underground scholars
3: chapters please visit our website at undergroundscholars.berkeley.edu or follow us on instagram
0: at the underground scholars
2: ordinary people collectively themselves as agents of social change, as holding within their collective
0: hands the power I to create, I create I a, new a new world. world. Underground, College. 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 College.
3: underground?
1: underground? underground. Download it. Download it.